Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this podcast is made possible thanks to donations from listeners. And if you want to donate, just click one of the yellow PayPal buttons on my website. Also, subscriptions to the premium episodes also get funneled back into the show. So investing in Luke's English Podcast Premium is like investing in your English and also investing in the podcast at the same time. For more information, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the podcast as a plane flies over the building. I don't know if you can hear that. Anyway, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 671, and it's a free-roaming conversation with Pete Smithson from Aussie English. Aussie English is a podcast and a YouTube channel about learning Australian English. And recently, Pete and I did a sort of podcast crossover YouTube thing where he interviewed me about my stuff, and then I did this interview with him for my podcast, which is what you're going to listen to now. This is also available as a YouTube video on my YouTube channel, so check it out there too. Some of you will be watching the video version. Uh, Pay attention, because there are differences actually between the video version and the audio version. Uh, There are subtle differences in some editing and also in the introduction and outro, so they are different. Anyway, you can find it uh, on the... You can find the link in the show notes uh, for this episode. You could try turning on the automatic subtitles if you are watching on YouTube. So this is quite a free-ranging conversation in which I talk to Pete about all things British and Australian, including swearing, teaching swearing to learners of English, swearing in a second language, accents and diversity of accents, accents in Australia and in the UK, football hooliganism in the UK and in Australia, removing statues of slave traders, COVID-19 in Australia, politics in the UK and Australia, bushfires, our ancestry, what Australia thinks of the UK and the USA, the Queen on Australian money, Australian English versus British English versus American English, class in the UK versus class in Australia, and then a few also, a few Aussie and British cliches. So that's loads of stuff, loads of uh, sort of important, relevant topics, I think, when you get a, a conversation between an Australian person and a Brit. So that's it then. I hope you enjoy the conversation. For more information, visit my website, where you can also sign up for my premium service, of course. Also, check out Pete's channel, Aussie English, to see the interview that he did with me, which covered lots of stuff about swearing, particularly the C word for some reason. We devoted quite a long time to talking about the C word and then um, some also some stuff about how I got started in podcasting and comedy. But now you can enjoy listening to a bit of Aussie English and some uh, British English as we listen to this conversation now with Pete Smithson. And here we go. (laughs) 
Okay, so I am now talking to Pete Smithson from Aussie English. Hello, Pete. How are you today? I'm good, Luke. How are you going? I'm fine, thank you. I've just been on your podcast, which was lots of fun. Thank you for inviting me. Man, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, go check that episode out if you want to hear how Luke changed the uh, trajectory of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's unbelievable, really. But yes, listen. As well as probably, what, 100 C bombs. <laughs> There were a lot of C-bombs dropped uh, in that episode. Um, but, you know, all for uh, pedagogical reasons. It, I, thought, I, think it, I think we handled the subject uh, in the appropriate manner. Um, so hopefully people That's, will be enlightened about how to use a, the C-word. It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, and, and sorry to sort of hi- hijack things, but how do you feel about teaching swearing in English and, and your role doing that as an English teacher or as an English content creator, because I quite often get asked, you know, you should do more of it or I'll get people saying you should never do any of it. And I'm kind of like, Ugh. you know, it's, it's a very hard spot to be in, right? Yes, it can be a bit tricky um, and it's sometimes a problem. But um, I personally believe in swearing. I believe in swearing. No, I, mean, <laughs> I believe it's a thing. <laughs> I've heard it exists. No, and I believe in it as a concept. No, I mean, I believe in teaching swearing. I Good. think that it's important because, well, lots of reasons. First of all, swear words are used. They're used all the time, every day. Uh, you just need to know when it's appropriate to use them and, and when it's not. And people hear swearing in all their favourite films and their music and stuff like that in conversations um so swearing is worth teaching people just for that reason because it's part of the language um it can actually be interesting to uh as a way into studying language actually through swearing because you know when you take a a word like the f word uh you can actually explore (laughs) all the many different ways in which it's used in a in a sentence which kind of gives you a little window into the grammar of the english language actually uh the word fuck is actually one of the most versatile words in the language, which is quite interesting. So there's a certain level of linguistic um, sophistication involved in swearing properly and understanding it all. But yes, it's problematic because obviously it can be rude. But I think if yeah. you teach it um, with certain statements like, you know, this is a rude language, but we're doing it because it's important to know it, but you probably shouldn't use it in these situations, then I think it's probably fine. But on the podcast, I'm, I sometimes find myself listening back to a conversation with which has lots of swearing in it and i i feel a bit awkward and i feel it's necessary to kind of say you know you know you'll hear swearing but you know you might want to just be careful about swearing i find that my 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 expression is always if in doubt go without right like if you don't know if you're not comfortable don't do it yeah at least but it's a good thing to at least have heard it understand how it's being used because there is definitely a lot of miscommunication that can you know, go across. I the one in, in Australian English is um, there's a big difference between being a mad cunt and being a cunt. <laughs> like there's a big difference. You know, my best mate, he's a total mad cunt. Yeah. And this guy I don't know who just drove, you know, over my young child is a complete cunt. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Anyway, sorry. Uh, we can we can drop <laughs> leave that word alone now. <laughs> See, I always think in, in in extreme cases like that, uh, when I'm teaching, if I need to, uh, you know, come up with something extreme, the the furthest I will go is um, 
probably uh, the death of a dog. That's usually the thing. So if you're talking about, you know, extremely sad feelings or tragic feelings, you know, if you have to yeah. describe grief or something, it's always that someone's dog has died. If It tends to be, you know, the more safe option rather than... I, I meant that my dog is called Toddler. So right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> recovered. We recovered it. What were we talking about just then? We were just talking about, I can't remember. What was teaching swearing yeah teaching swearing so i i also enjoy it a, a lot as well but i do yeah. you know it comes with a caveat which is that as you said if in doubt go without so um there are plenty of cases when it would be just really jarring and and wrong to swear well the interesting thing is i was reading uh this book recently i don't know if you can see it. it's called the bilingual brain the bilingual brain. he was talk. yeah i'll see i'll grab it and i'll show you it so it was really interesting because he was talking about how um, people learn obviously multiple languages, whether from birth or later on in life. And there was a part in there talking about swearing and how it doesn't ever hit home the same way in a foreign language you've learned later in life. Whereas when you learn it from birth, whatever language you've learned or languages, there's a very, very strong emotional attachment to the to the rude language that you learn. Whereas in a foreign language, it it probably takes a very, very long time to develop that. Yes, absolutely. So people can be a little bit sort of devil may care when they're swearing in English uh, if it's not their first language because it doesn't have the same impact on them. So they're dropping the F-bomb and the S-bomb. Shit is not... Anyway, and um, so they don't realise how how badly it can kind of come across, especially if you, I have to say, unless you're swearing perfectly, (laughs) it's going to sound terrible. So you've got to get it absolutely right or it will just sound appalling. Like if someone remember, says, hey, wait, are you shitting me off? It's like, yes. no, that sound, no, no. Um, so you have to get it right. There's some, there's some, there's a cliche in Australia, I think, with, with um, the Indian community and a lot of them misusing it at the ends of sentences. So they'll say something like, you know, you're really pissing me off fucking. Right. And it completely changes the the meaning of the phrase if you say you're pissing me off fucking. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> As opposed to you're fucking pissing me off. <laughs> there's there's a fantastic comedian uh, in the UK called um, uh, called Paul Chowdhury. And he he's so funny. He's Indian. Well, he's British born, but I think he's of Indian background. But he does all of that stuff. He's like, you know, does yeah. lots of different accents, including sort of an Indian accent. And it's always bastard. You're pissing me off, bastard. <laughs> uh, it's it's really, really funny. And it's, you know, politically it's sort of sensitive because he's dealing with ethnic stuff. Uh, but he kind of, he, he does he it. Gets away well. with it because he's, he's part of the community, right? It, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. But he also does it very well. It's not just that he's yeah. part of that community. He's also very, very good at doing it. He does English accents and stuff too. I mean, sort of like, you know, Cockney accents and things as well. Um, so yes, swearing, teaching swearing. Yes. I mean, that goes back to I'm what je- we were talking about in your video there about the C yeah, word. Yeah, exactly. But I'm definitely jealous of you guys in Britain because you can actually do a lot more with accents because you guys have such a diverse range of dialects of English across such a small island, no offence, but yeah, compared to Australia, yeah. which is pretty dialectically poor, I would say. We've really? got a few. Yeah, we, we've got probably probably three i mean the, the the trope is that we have three accents we've got like the upper class australian accent which is you know received pronunciation british it's a cultivated english then yeah. we have the general which i would claim to have the general accent and then we have the 
you know, the really rural accent where, you know, we have this much more nasally thing going on and longer vowels and, you know, so it's a lot more drawn out. Yeah. And it's not it's not geographic like you guys are so, you know, there's little pockets with these really distinct dialects. Yeah. And in Australia, it's more cultivated are going to be rich, you know, toffs in the big cities. The general's kind of everywhere in, in um sort of suburban areas, and then the rural areas will be there. You know, how's it going? What's going on, Sandra? <laughs> that sort of, <laughs> that's that sort of, you know, stereotype. Again, it's, it's not it's not absolute, yeah. but we don't have like the, you can go from Perth on one side of the continent, four or 5,000 kilometres to the other side, and it's affected with the same accent. Wow, because in England, it's like totally the opposite. So it sounds like in, in Australia, it's, it's either a sort of a class-based thing or it's a, a sort of rural to to metropolitan thing i think it's more that i i felt my accent i live in a in a town called ocean grove which is actually about an hour and a half away from melbourne but when i moved to melbourne to get um educated at university after high school i found my accent became closer to generally cultivated kind of area a little more you know, metropolitan, easier to understand because there are so many foreign people that live in Melbourne and okay. you couldn't get away with, you know, using too much slang or having a ridiculously difficult accent because no one would understand you. You have to repeat yourself all the time mm-hmm. and it, it eventually wears away and you stop doing that. Yeah. Um, but it wears off. When I went to Queensland, which is in the north, and they're kind of the... Um, I guess they're kind of like the Australian rednecks, you know, sort yeah. of like they, ha- they have, we pay them out. We make fun of them for that. Mm-hmm. So they have a stronger accent sometimes, but they say things like, you know, it's a, it's a pretty hot day today. Hey, <laughs> or, you know, um, did you want to go out? Hey, like, what do you reckon? Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that. Yeah. They put all this stuff at the end of sentences. Hey. And I started doing it after a few weeks and I was like, damn it. You know, like, why am I doing my, Like, I, I've worked for years to have my, my, my posher Australian accent. And it's just, it's just in-group preference, right? You start hanging out with a group of people. You start sounding like them. So, I think that's as, that's as well in rural areas. You'll end up with, you know, loads of blokes working in industry, working on a farm together, and they end up with stronger accents. And so, it'll be the same thing. You meet tradies who are, are tradesmen. Working in Australia, they're going to have more sort of what we call bogan kind of accents, lower right. class, like uneducated accent mm-hmm. in quote, quotation marks. Mm-hmm. But it tends to be because they're around those people all day, every day. Yes. Even though they live in a town, you know, potentially with lots of immigrants or, you know, so it is really funny how that stuff evolves. Whereas, uh, uh, and that's not regional, as you said, so it could be from both sides of the country that that distinction is going to be the yeah. same. Whereas in yeah. the UK, it's like utterly regional, but it's also class based. So in terms of the regional stuff, the example that, uh, you know, we usually give in this situation is Liverpool and Manchester. And they are literally 30 minutes away from each other by car. Um, yeah. and, um, the accents are really different. So, what's you know, that, in Liverpool, was... they're sort of saying like this, all oh, right, yeah. mate, do you want a cup of tea? And then, and in Manchester, <laughs> it's like more like that, like, all right, all right, I'm from Manchester, like, all right, I'm there's, from fucking there's... Oasis, man, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's an amazing video of a girl and she's like, my daddy was, he was pretending to be a monkey and he was eating onions <laughs> and he was. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 that's the video of the girl who's got a Yorkshire accent. What do you like most about Daddy? You know when he was taller, he was taller like that, and he and he didn't juggle anymore. He just he lay down bed, yeah. put one arm up, and then rolled down like a monkey. Did he? <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it was, was pretending a to be a monkey, and he had all these onions. Onions. I had, to, I had to listen to it probably like ten times before I got what was going on. But I was like, "This is just the most adorable thing ever." But it, yeah. it goes to show how quickly um, those accents are locked onto, right, by right. children in, in well, probably anywhere. But it, it's crazy that they're still maintained in Britain because you guys have social media, you have public transport, you know, you have planes, you have buses, people move around, but you guys still seem to develop these accents and, and hold on to them it's, for the rest of your lives. It's right? largely due to a sense of community and, uh, yeah. you know, the idea of accommodation theory, which is that uh, you you accommodate to the people who you identify with. So, so let's say if you are from Liverpool and you support Liverpool or Everton football clubs and, you know, you are, you are a scouser, then you're mm-hmm. going to accommodate to the other scousers. I mean, largely because they they live all around you, but also because that's your identity. And so you're going to accommodate to that accent. Similarly to when you move somewhere, you accommodate to that accent. Your accent changes a bit. So when I was li- living and working in Japan, I worked with a lot of Australian people and I started accommodating to Australian English. And when I came <laughs> home, my friends told me that I was going up at the end of every sentence like that, which yeah. is kind of an Aussie thing to an extent. So accommodation. And so, yeah, because Liverpool and Manchester have got such strong cultural identities, uh, you know, people, the accent as a result is very pronounced. And certainly there's a huge rivalry between the two towns, especially in football. Uh, and fierce. It's, so, it's so weird how you guys have, we still have Australian rules football. We have soccer as well, which we call soccer. We have rugby too, which can be called football, depending mm-hmm. on where you live in Australia. And mm-hmm. I don't know where you ever have two supporter bases get together and fight. I don't, I've never heard of brawls breaking out over football teams or rugby teams or soccer teams in really? Australia, but I know that it's a big thing in the UK. You guys take your soccer seriously, Wait, right? Wait, so you guys... Uh, when you go to see some Aussie rules game and it's two rival teams and everyone's getting tanked up on on Castlemaine Forex, <laughs> uh, which you probably I'm sure don't there are, drink. I'm sure actually. there are. <laughs> Do you have uh, Castlemaine Forex? Uh, I, I steer clear of that. We've got Forex. That's Queensland beer, though. That, that's that's like um, cat piss. It's, it's so a, no one it's a total. That. It's actually Castlemaine Forex. <laughs> I mentioned that because it's a massive cliche in the UK about Australia. There was this series of adverts for Castlemaine Forex this uh, Australian beer. And it was like two guys in the outback getting up to no good, getting into accidents, yeah. meeting crocodiles and stuff. Um, uh, Happens on a daily basis. And here, at the end, it's under. like, I could do with a Castle Main 4X, mate. It's kind of like the way that <laughs> every advert ends. So that's... Um, of- we used to have one for VB, which is Victorian Bitter, my state, Victorian Bitter. And it would be... Um, and it, it'd have this like, you can get it working up a sweat. You can get it, you know, writing a writing a note. You can get it working with a tie. Matter of fact, I got it now. VB, and it nice. used to be all these different people working, and then they'd all be like smashing pints of VB at the, right. at the pub afterwards. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, stay away from that stuff. We could talk about uh, the sort of uh, uh, slight cliches of Australia that we have in the UK and where they've come from. But we were talking about um, accents, accents. In Britain. Yeah, dialects. And accommodating, and football, that's it. And I, I wanted to know, so when guys get together and watch some sort of game, big game, they don't get drunk and fight each other? You don't get foot, uh, football fans fighting? I think, I think you would have it on maybe individual level, but you would never have it on 
the broad scale that at least I, I hear occurs in, yes. in places like Manchester where you guys will have knife fights, you know, it's like, like it's full on, you know. I've heard that I'm sure violence is here as well. I'm sure we're no different, but it's 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 interesting that you guys have such strong rivalries. Yeah, and I don't know if it's I don't know if I don't know if soccer or, or football is an excuse for the for the fighting to just take place anyway, right? Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it totally is. <laughs> it, it totally is. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, what, genuinely, what's their reason for fighting with each other? There's True. no reason at all. There's absolutely no Dude, reason. Dude, your team won. Take the knife out of my chest. Like, you won. Like the, 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 the whole competition has already been decided on the football pitch, you know. So, yeah, yeah. of course, it, they're totally using football as an excuse to just have a good old fight. Um, and I don't know why. It's just blokes of a certain age a certain type of guys who are violent people and they're just, they have violence in their lives and they like drinking and that's how they express themselves is through, through violence. But yes, there is, a, it, there is a lot of it in the UK. I mean, recently yeah. we saw, you know, we've been seeing violence on the streets there. Quite often we have uh, riots and uh, public unrest fighting with the police and things like that. So it's not just relating to football, but uh, yes, there is, there is a, a lot more hooliganism in the UK and not in Australia, but is that because in Australia yes. it's just everything's chilled out, everyone's laid back? What's the reason? We have different issues. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we still have hooliganism, you would say. There were some race riots that we had here, the Cronulla riots in uh, Sydney a few, a few years back where I think, I can't remember the specifics because I live in a different city, but effectively what you had was a whole lot of, white nationalists australians get together and be very racist and then as a result in the evening you had a lot of lebanese and um arab groups get together as well and and they were being very violent so we still have that sort of tribal violence at times i guess it's just a different flavor it's similar Mm -hmm. thing though yeah you have that too so that's going on in many places in the states of course as we know and in the uk as (laughs) in the uk as well it's a it's a pretty messed up situation um you know, for example, you got people um, recently pulled down a statue of a slave. Did it learn to swim? Uh, no, it sank to the bottom, <laughs> like a in, stone, in dramatic fashion. They pulled down. How a- do you feel about that? This is going on all over the place, and it's yeah, starting it- to ship me. It because I'm like, it doesn't erasing history doesn't change our current problems, right? Like, it's not. I understand we're not, but but who was passing these statues and worshiping them in the first place, right? They were not erected people. hundreds of years ago. I don't think anyone knows what the statue is, who it is, until these sorts of, of issues arise. I think people do know what the statues are, and it's written. Really, the name of the person is written on the statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, how often do they go up, look at it, and you know, really scrutinize? Because I mean, I in Melbourne, where I live, there's there's hundreds of those things all around the place, and I mean. Unless you were to specifically go up and actually re- read about it, learn about it, you're not going to really know that much about every single one of these statues. So, and it seems like everyone becomes an expert later on when there's problems like this. And they're like, these are the problematic ones. We need to tear them down. Yeah. It's tricky. I mean, Bristol is a city in the southwest of England that was largely built on the slave trade. It has to be yep. said. That was other things, other industries too, but largely that. And so the money that came from, I mean, the slave trade is, we know, is a seriously bad thing. Like, one of the worst things that you can do is enslave other people. I mean, it's, you know, it's like um, epically bad in a kind of uh, Lord of the Ringsian kind of way. 
you know, like proper <laughs> evil shit that, you know, we have basic human rights and it's like it violates every aspect of that. I don't know. I find it to be... It's tough. It's, it's, understand- it's tough. And yet at the same time, you know, um, he did perhaps contribute to building the city as it is. And it's, well, an, it's one of those things where I don't think we necessarily need to be worshipping the individual. I think, you know, don't. there's nothing wrong with chucking a disclaimer on it. The, the thing that I fear yeah. is forgetting the past. And if we whitewash everything by removing the untasteful stuff that, that, that effectively gets us to have a conversation about issues in the past, we lose those talk, talking points, right? You, you, I think you would be better served by leaving that statue there and having a big sign in front of it saying, this piece of shit owned slaves, you know, yeah, or like maybe. just being a, a constant reminder of that issue that, that it still was part of the past. It's still a bit weird. But- Imagine the statue there and it's, it's like, here is a bronze statue of this person on a horse. <laughs> and it's like, this guy, uh, you know, kept loads of slaves. Ta-da! Here he is. It still doesn't seem to <laughs> ring true. I mean, I think the um, trouble though is that it's very, it's it's a very nuanced argument because there are so many different statues about different people who had yes. different levels of, you know, and yeah. we're using today's standards to measure on them. I mean, you have people like Alex the Conqueror, Alexander the Great, sorry, and all these other people in in history where yeah. they were heroes on one side, but but absolutely horrible mass murderers on another. Yeah, and, do and, you, and do you tear down the statue of Churchill? In Whitehall, I mean, do we go well, that far? Probably, I assume people want to at the moment. There I'm are some sure, people but... who do because you know, <laughs> arguably, I mean, obviously, the thing about Churchill is, I mean, arguably, he was a racist, and you can see a lot of the policies that he put through, you know, showed that. And this is what a lot of people are saying. But on the other hand, he he defeated Hitler in inverted commas. So, so it's a very who tricky was a thing. Like, yeah, he was like the the best racist. Uh, one of the best, anyway, I think. Um, but um, you see what I mean. <laughs> one so, of the best races. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm being I'm being glib about that, but uh, you know what I mean. The, one of the most sort of what successful. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but um, but I don't think taking down a statue is erasing history because statues are not there to educate us about the past so much as just a kind of. Um, I don't know. I suppose it is about history, but no one's talking about erasing the history books. No one is talking about, uh, you well, know, like covering up the fact that these people did these things because obviously we need to remember that. So no one's talking about yeah. erasing bad things from history. It's just whether it's appropriate to have a statue of the guy there when, yes. uh, you know, when everyone is just equal in society today. And it seems well, maybe a bit they just offensive. need to move it into a. Move it into a museum then, right? Yeah, we but- still, we, no one's talking about uh, shutting down Wikipedia or closing the museums or burning the history books. There's none yeah. of that sort of thing going on. And I think it's disingenuous, in fact, to even suggest that it's a sort of, you know, you get arguments to say that taking down a statue is a sort of an act of fascism in itself because it's sort of excessive control over 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 things. Um, but I think that it's it's not actually because it's not about literally erasing history isn't the reason i get touchy about it isn't this is sort of an extreme example i guess with the the slave trader in uh was it liverpool or or bristol Bristol. sorry yeah yeah in australia they're trying to do it with people like macquarie and cook cook behind me here who again i mean he quote unquote discovered australia he obviously didn't but in terms of um for the british but then he went on his merry way like he had very little to do with australian history and to you know, he he still had a role. And when you read his journals, when you read his diaries, he did have 
racist views to some extent, thinking, you know, I'm civilized, I'm better than everyone. But at the same time, he shows a lot of restraint in his interactions, which is why he ends up dying in the water in, you know, Hawaii, mm. being 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 killed because he was, you know, not not just wiping people out. So I, I don't know. I, I like that we're talking about it at least. But I, I get a bit touchy if everyone starts saying any white male statue needs to come down. No, it's not any white you know, male statue. I mean, that's yeah. that. I mean, that's that's. It's obviously not any white male statue. It's this. I'm, I'm being facetious. Slave, yeah, it's yeah, this particular yeah. slave trade. That's a good example. That one is a good example, I guess, of some of one that you could argue on. But I so, think ones like ones like Cook and like Macquarie. Macquarie yeah. is probably a better example. Who was a governor in Australia? He he had issues. He did certain things, but at the same time, you know, I think just raise other statues of other important people who aren't mm. currently, you know, represented, you know, raise a statue sure. of an Indigenous person or an, an <laughs> African know, person. Who- surrounded by statues everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just drown him out, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a complicated one, isn't it? Should we judge people in the past by today's standards? Is a, it's yep. a difficult uh, question to deal with. But, you know... Um, I think that judging people in the past and 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 having a having a statue up in the in the main Dockland area is I don't know it's 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 an interesting debate. It's it's good that people are talking about it, even if people yeah. are also uh, getting very very angry about it and stuff and lots of problems. But it's still <laughs> it is it does mean that people are talking about these things at least. Well, and that's the most important thing I think to come out of the Black Lives Movement and and that's coming into Britain, it's coming into Australia as well. I just hope that a lot of people end up opening dialogue and wanting to talk about these things and getting into the nuance because I feel like a lot of it gets missed and it ends up becoming very ideological and, and extremist on both sides. You know, you'll get the, the, the conservatives being like, you know, these coloured people are trying to take control and you'll get enough jobs on the other side saying we need to abolish the police because all they do is kill black people. And you're kind of like, can we just have a conversation about this openly and try and get to the root of the cause of, yeah. of your issues and try and, you know, make sure that everyone has equal opportunity and there isn't any discrimination or racism? <laughs> like, I know, I know. Extremism on either side is not good, right? Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, it's all very kind of uh, complicated. So we we ended up talking about the politics stuff. This is actually supposed to be my episode of the podcast here, and it's going to come wildly uh, in various directions. We we can keep going for a bit if you've got some other questions that you want to chuck at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. So I, I was wondering actually what's what's going on in Australia at the moment regarding COVID nineteen. Then what's are you guys uh, living in lockdown? We were. We I think they cracked down a little after New Zealand cracked down. So New Zealand went bonkers. They they kind of went just straight out the bat. They were banning Chinese um, you know, transport coming into into New Zealand. And I remember seeing that in the news and being like, Whoa, shit. Like that's that's full on. This is that's serious. almost almost had a that felt like, whoa, that's a a little racist. And then Australia a few days later did it and then the rest of the world did it, you know, at their different times. Australia, I think we lost about 100 people. I think it's 103, maybe 104 That's not a deaths. lot. That is not very many. That's no, it in total? I know you guys, you guys were putting us to shame. We're the yeah, best in the, we are the best in the world at uh, mismanaging the COVID-19 crisis. We're- well, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened with Britain and, and why you guys had such a high rate. I think you may have just closed down too too late after it had sort of spread. I think we got a yeah. hold on it and we were doing going nuts with testing 
as much as possible. And um, they they ran a lot of social distancing campaigns, ads. Uh, they closed down businesses really quickly. They had a lot of restrictions everywhere. And so everyone was pretty much inside for a long time. I didn't see my parents who live about 100 meters away from me for over a month because yeah. my dad had heart issues and he was like, everyone yeah. stay the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. In the UK, it was basically two weeks of, of Boris going, bah, Boris, you know, uh, COVID-19, <laughs> uh, I've been shaking people's hands. You know, he spent- Someone hand me a comb. Two, <laughs> uh, two weeks of um, like not, not doing anything in the UK, at yeah. least two weeks of flapping around, doing U-turns. Um, you know, COVID's, uh, you know, it's, it's easily, easily manageable and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And then two weeks later, stay inside, protect the NHS, save yeah. lives is what And he got it. He almost died, right? He, he ended up in ICU, didn't he? Don't, well, we don't know to what extent his, his health was in danger. They did say he went to the intensive care unit. But I don't know if that means that they were like, you know, clear, beep, you know, yeah. like that. <laughs> The defibrillators and stuff. I don't know if it was that much, uh, but uh, do you reckon? Do you reckon? If, I reckon that when Boris, if he took his shirt off, it just has this huge "do not resuscitate." You know, like I can imagine that he's just like covered in tats underneath the shirt, just like goth as. I don't know. I don't know. There's a oh God, what what a person we've got there. So anyway, a very late response and uh, lots of flapping around regarding testing and getting that wrong and lots of lying and uh, incompetence um, in government. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. We've got an incredibly incompetent lot at the moment. And is, there ang- is there a lot of anger in the oh, public yes. now as a result yeah, of the handling? Yeah. yeah. John- Boris Johnson has lost popularity uh, across the board uh, as a result yeah. of this. Not, ju- I mean, obviously, yeah. he's got his fans. He's got the people who are just convinced that he's the greatest thing and uh, he's going to make Britain great again and that sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, among conservatives, you know, people have looked at the situation and seen that it's been pretty poorly managed. I mean, just their PR stuff, the way they talk to the press, it's not like they're being... Well, obviously, they are They are yep. showing contempt in the sense that they, they... I mean, they tell untruths and it's kind of quite well known. But also in the sense that um, uh, they, they just seem to be so ill-prepared and getting things wrong and just making mistakes and things. So it's just... You know, doesn't feel like the country's in very safe hands, and we've got Brexit coming up. So. We had we had the the inverse sort of happen here in Australia, where we'd just gone through those bushfires, right? And our yeah. prime minister was in Hawaii enjoying a holiday, just as shit got real, and copped a massive amount of flack for that. So he he burnt through all of his political capital during the bushfires. Um, yeah, he came back and was oh man, it was just a complete you know, um, joke. He went to one of the worst hit towns that had had a number of people die there and was trying to get a photo op, you know, just walking around and trying to shake people's hands. And they were like, I don't want to shake your hand. Get away from me. Don't touch me. And he was like forcing his hand into theirs and being like, thank you. And then getting photos and then going on to the next person. And we were just like, that was on TV. So there were cameras following him, showing that happening. Yeah. And so at the end of that, he had (laughs) nosedived, but then COVID happened and as a result of his somewhat competent handling of it, although there's been quite a few issues, um, I think he's gained a lot of it back. So, unfortunately, we might have our um, current Prime Minister around for a while. <laughs> so, he's, um, what kind of uh, administration do you have there? What's the Prime Minister like? 
He'd be similar to, I think, Boris in terms of, well, and again, I'm not a political expert in Australia, but he's in the Liberal Party, which is the Conservative Party in Australia, you know, fiscally conservative. Um, He is a very religious man. He's a Pentecostal um, Christian. I don't, he keeps, he tends to keep that to himself, which is probably a good thing. Um, But he's just very, very, he's very, he's, he's a marketer as well. Originally he was in marketing. So he, he runs all these stunts when he has a bad, a bad run, and we can kind of we call him Scotty from marketing. And he, you know, like when he first became prime prime minister, he decided to call himself Scomo, as in his name is Scott Morrison. He, he yeah. gave himself a nickname Scomo, which is something you do not do in uh, probably British culture, but Australian culture as well. You do not give yourself a nickname, other people give you a nickname. So, we started calling him Scamo instead (laughs) or Smoko. And Smoko, because Smoko in Australian slang is where you go for a break to smoke a cigarette for five minutes. When he went to Hawaii, he took a Smoko or he did a Scomo. Yeah, I see. (laughs) So, he's he's copped a lot of flack in Australia recently. But... um, yeah, who know, who knows where that's going to go? Okay. The world the world is in a in a quieter state. It, it is, isn't it? I just wish the whole thing would just calm down. We just go back to the eighties again when it was Star Wars figures and <laughs> and tape recorders. Um, I mean, huh, there's lots of other things I could talk to you about, but uh, we shouldn't let this man, go on shoot. too long. I'm going to ask you some more stuff. Okay, <laughs> I'm so, an open book, man. Go for it. <laughs> so, oh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, have you ever been to the UK? No, I've been to France. I've been to Paris. That's as close as I believe I've ever been to um, the homeland. So, I, I have my parents do their DNA test for ancestry. Mm-hmm. And actually, it turns out my parents are into their, um, into their family history stuff. And it turns out I'm related to the royal family. So, I must be like, I don't know, billionth in line for the throne or something. Really? It's not, I, don't think it, I don't think it's a current royal family. I think it is like Alfred. Like when we go really far back, right? Oh, King yeah. of Wessex. Yes. The, um, Alfred. Yeah. The, so. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah, go. And, and through to Charlemagne as well in France. So you're English with some French in there too. Not well. It'll go back to that family because of the Norman. royal family relations. But I think primarily, yeah, my dad is Scottish British and my mom is pretty much British. So when you look at our, um, our DNA, it's pretty much all in Britain. And then there's a bit of East Germanic. So e- either you're Norman or you are yeah sort of anglo-saxon if it's yeah, germanic yeah, exactly. it would be like danish or or, or uh, something like that uh, but it is it is pretty weird it is pretty weird i don't know growing up in australia you have this identity that you're australian but at the same time i know that at least genetically speaking i am british you know hmm. i'm my my ancestors are mostly from around yorkshire i think as well as yeah. you know london that's where and so that's where my parents are from yorkshire yeah, exactly. up it, north in Yorkshire. It was so crazy, man. I did an interview recently. I had a guy come past and he had to fix our our chimney here in the house we're renting and he had a Yorkshire accent and he came in and I was just like, whoa, like, Jesus, you fresh off the boat, mate. Like, <laughs> where, where, did you, where did this come from? We never hear these accents in um in Australia. And he's just like... You know, I can't even do the accent, but he was like, you know, I've been here for 10 years and, and uh, I was my whole family's been chimney sweeps for the last 250 years. I just kept going, you know, came to Australia and he was just telling me all these amazing stories and I, it was just crazy because I was like, I've got relatives from Yorkshire if you go back, you know, so we could be related, who knows. But yeah. um, 
it was interesting in our episode, we were talking about dialects, I think, right? Maybe we were talking about them in, in this one. I think it was um, this one. This one, maybe. Yeah. yeah, sorry. And he was saying before he met his wife at the age of 20, I think it was in his late 20s, he hadn't been 40 kilometers out of Yorkshire. Whoa. Like he, had, he hadn't been to where she was from. Um, and it's I like think that. it was Chadston or something like that, where it was like literally you could throw a rock and it would have, you know, passed from one wow. one town to the next and, and he hadn't gone that far. It's like that moment in Lord of the Rings when Sam Gamgee <laughs> leaves the Shire. You know, it's the, <laughs> For the, first it's the furthest I've been from Yorkshire in my whole life. But it blew my mind because, yeah. I mean, and I'm sure there are people like that in Australia as well where they just never leave wherever, but because it's such a big place and we're so used to kind of camping and you'll drive, you know, 500 kilometers to go to your camping spot we're so used to going around all over the place and he was just like until i decided to come to australia i'd never left i've never never left britain and i hadn't before that i'd barely left yorkshire so it was really interesting and he's just like now i live here with my whole family and you know we're never going back so (laughs) so wow you call um England, I mean, maybe jokingly, or Britain, the home, yes. the homeland. Um, I'm, I'm taking the piss. You're taking I'm the taking piss. the piss. Yeah. Or taking the Mickey. There we go. We got some. Uh, what have got some rhyming slang? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Cockney, yes. Absolutely. Cockney rhyming slang. Taking the Mickey. Yeah. So, um, so what is the relationship? What, what what do Australians think of the UK these days? What's how do you view the UK when you look over over there? Uh, it's interesting. I don't know. We don't see you guys like America. You know, we would see Americans, I think probably like you see Americans, where the the edges tend to be pretty good and the centre doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. like there's that kind of like the, the edges tend to be more like the rest of the world and the centre tends to be very American. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, the average American that you meet in Australia tends to be very well-travelled, very moderate in terms of what they believe and everything like that. And I think it would be the same with the British. You tend to, the ones you would meet in Australia, as far as I know, tend to be very well-traveled, very interesting people. And mm-hmm. so, we I don't know if we get like a the wrong in, the wrong kind of interpretation then of what the average person in Britain is like because the ones that we meet tend to be... A, and it's probably the inverse for you guys. You probably meet like the worst of our lot that we send overseas, you know. We yeah. get a lot of guys <laughs> who... Go on Contiki around Europe. Yeah. Sorry, Europe. <laughs> uh, in, in, London, in London, I have to say the stereotype of the Australian is that he's a guy in uh, flip-flops um yeah. working in a bar somewhere in 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 like in shepherd's bush or something yeah working like, on his his uh winter tan right right yeah still walking around <laughs> in flip-flops i don't know i don't we don't really have a negative thing we we consume a lot of your tv um we tend to know a lot about your politics so i mean like i know jeremy corbyn i know boris johnson i know tony blair i've been mm-hmm. following you know we hear we get a lot of that media exported to us the same way as we know the average australian probably knows more about politics in britain and america than australia because we see so much of it so yeah. much of it yeah on the news we hear about celebrities all the time from britain so we consume a lot of it and i don't think we have very many negative um you know connotations i think we tend to love it and find it really interesting especially the fact that you guys have such an interesting history with the royal family a lot of ancestry in australia tends to come from great britain obviously through convicts um you guys have tv shows like great uh, game of thrones which is so full of interesting dialects and accents Mm. and everything like that so yeah i think we would have a pretty positive view we do get the backpackers as well in australia which tend to be the negative side like you guys get the Australians, but really, to be honest, again, it's not that negative. It's just that you'll go to somewhere like um, Bondi Beach and if you see anyone with a really bad suntan or really bad sunburn, you know instantly, yeah, they've, they've just arrived from Britain. 
You know, like they did not realise that the Australian sun is brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in comparison, um, what was I going to ask you? Um, so you in Australia, you have the Queen on your money on the banknotes. Yes, you have a picture of the Queen. We do. So I mean, you know, do you do you look to the Queen as the figurehead then, your head of state? We wouldn't really think about it. She's she's sort of not really. She doesn't really have that much to do with it with us. A lot of us have a negative view of the royal family and think they're kind of, to be, you know, I'm politically correct, just wankers. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, Prince Charles, you see what Prince Andrew's been up to. I think that some of them tend to be pretty cool, like the, the two sons, Harry and um, I've forgotten the William, older one. William. William, yeah. We tend to have a positive view of those two. Um, definitely the older, older generation, not as much. The Queen, she seems pretty, you know, nice as well, but... They'll, the weird thing is you'll have groups in Australia that are obsessed with the royal family. And so they'll celebrate the weddings and they'll celebrate the, you know, the, the coming out of the queen. They tend to be the older generation, I think, where maybe they were more, they more saw themselves as British when they were younger. Right. Like my, par- my, my grandparents received a, what was it? It would have been their 60th anniversary, wedding anniversary, and they received a letter from the queen and it blew their minds. Like wow. They were like, yeah, so and if we get, I think too, if we get over a hundred years old, if you get over a hundred years old, you get a letter from the Queen again. I don't know. Does she send herself a letter when she passes a hundred? I've, I've often asked myself that question, and I suppose the answer <laughs> will be yes. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Queen sends you a letter if you get to a hundred here as well, which is obviously worth it, right? If you is worth oh, it just man, for the letter. It. 100%. That was you were like, well, I can give up now. Like, I've made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting having someone else's monarch on our on our money. You don't really think about it, though. It is on our coins and you kind of grow up with it. Just take it for granted. Take it for what it is. You see the different aged coins and you kind of see how she's aged. So, there's a, a hotter version of the queen yeah. on the coins from the 60s. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just, yeah, don't check out the ones from 2020. Right. <laughs> Um, what about Australian English, British English, and American English? Do you think Australian English is closer to British English or, or closer oh, to American English? Hundred percent, really, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, we we are from you guys, right? You guys came out here. The interesting thing about our accent is that we had when you guys, well, when you guys, when we were colonised by the British and they brought over effectively their, you know their trash from from the prison system that they didn't want to deal with and, you know, a lot of whom were effectively slaves that have been in prison for unfair crimes, a lot of which were theft, you know, mm-hmm. not, not anything too egregious. They were from all over different parts of, of Great Britain, mostly from around London, you know, and different some of the nearby um, southern parts of, mm. of Britain. And so they had a whole bunch of different accents and they all mixed together. And within, I think, the first generation or two, the accent had kind of, completely changed from the parents and as a result we got a lot of slang that was used the flash language from the um the cockney yeah um, rhyming slang yeah exactly we got rhyming slang although that died to be honest we don't really use that much more that's kind of disappeared my grandparents would have used it i don't really use it Mm. unless i'm taking the piss unless i'm saying something like um yeah pass me the dead horse you know to have on my pie or something it's like Dead you say horse, it as a joke. Dead you, horse sauce. Tomato sauce. Yeah, yeah, tomato sauce. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we don't use it too much. But, um, yeah, we say things like um, bugger. We use that a lot. You know, oh, bugger me. You know, oh, bugger. 
And I know that came from you guys. There's a, there's a whole bunch of those sorts of things that we would use. Though you guys, as we were saying, twat, we don't, I don't think we got that. I think that must have evolved in, um, in Britain after we were colonized. Yes, I guess so. Um, okay. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I guess grammatically and vocabulary wise, you know, there are certain differences. We see those uh, images online of like here, the British and American English, Australian yeah, English that- stuff tends to fall down on the British side of those things. Doesn't yeah. It? So spelling wise, I think we're effectively the same as you guys. We haven't taken on the American spelling unless people are doing it accidentally, you know, like color being C-O-L-O-R instead of O-U-R at the end. Yes. Though I think with some of the things like vegetables, like I wish I had them as props to kind of hold up. Yeah. But like we would say, I think eggplant instead of aubergine. Yes. You guys would say. Yes, that's right. Another one might be, I don't know, do you guys say cucumber? Yes. Okay. There's a few there that I know where you guys kind of move towards the French do you, do you versions. Call, yeah. Do you, call them a, do you call it a courgette or a zucchini? Zucchini, 100%. Right. Yeah, so that's the Italian for us, I think, and you guys are using the, the French there. Which is courgette. the same as American, uh, that they say yep. zucchini as well. Okay, some other things then, quickly. Let me just test you. Uh, if you've got, if you rolled up a piece of paper, you don't want it any more, anymore, where do you put it? You put it in the rubbish. In the rubbish. But what is that container that contains the rubbish? The it's rubbish bin. The bin, all right. So not the trash yeah. can, but the rubbish you, bin. I would never say trash can. I might say trash, chuck it in the trash. But again, I think that's American culture kind of bleeding in. But it's a bin, not a trash can. Okay, that's important. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's what a about bin. different parts of the car? Would you call the, the glass bit at the front of the car? The windscreen. Windscreen, same. So not windshield. No, I would say windscreen. windscreen. And the bonnet and the boot. Right, same as in the UK. I think you're probably... Exactly. I think it's probably... Um, Probably the same then. I'm trying to think of other well, I would examples. say thongs. What do you think thongs well, are? Thongs, I mean, I'm sure you know. Yeah, but- <laughs> thongs are what we call flip-flops. Yeah. Those things that uh, you've put on your feet when you go down to the beach, uh, flip-flops. Yeah. Uh, and I would say thongs. G-string instead of a thong, which Americans would say for the very uh, thin bathers, bather bottoms that women would wear. Those very thin pants that reveal a lot of the, the, the bum on display. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd call them <laughs> pants, but... <laughs> It's a string, really. G-string, yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, okay. I, so, it seems that Australian English is more or less like British English. What about the pronunciation, though? Yeah. Well, it's very similar. It's very similar, but we don't use the glottal stop. So, you won't hear butter, you know, that, that kind of stereotype, butter. We'll say butter. And so, we use the T-flap, too. You won't hear butter or Peter. But it's you butter. Know, with the receipt. Butter. It's butter. Yeah, but it's, butter, Peter. It does sound like more American then because it sounds more like a duh sound, butter. butter yeah, butter. to some degree, yeah. So but, I think there are British accents though where that's come from. What about R's in words? Like do you, how do you the say- The same as you guys. Computer. We use the linking R. But how do you computer. say- Computer. Right. So the point there is that it's interesting because some things sound a bit American, others sound British. So in the word computer, yeah. first of all, there's the t sound, which I say is computer, yeah. or another computer. English person might say computer. But uh, you do it more like a d sound, computer. T-flap, t yeah, the computer. T-flap, which computer. sort of makes it sound like a D, which is more yeah. like an American thing. And I won't say the R unless there's a vowel after it. The computer is on. Yes, exactly. So that's the same as us. So in the word computer, there's an R at the end, but you don't hear me say it, computer, and it's the same for you, although you do the American T sound, I think, computer. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Also, there are there are sort of vowel sounds and so on. I mean, if I try to do an Australian accent, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really sort of, I, I don't know if it's really accurate. 
But if I if I try to do an Australian accent, it sort of sounds like this. I don't know if that's any good. Uh, there's also maybe that sounds a bit New, New Zealand. Yeah, that that's, sounds like a New Zealander that's any to good. me. Um, but there, I don't know. Have you ever worked this out? Have you ever actually um, sort of worked out the key differences? Between my well, it depends on which accent you're talking about in Britain, right? If it's just received pronunciation, it'd probably be those main differences, and then maybe a few of the vowels, the diphthongs in particular. We, we, how would you say the word, um, you know, no? How would you yeah, say no? That's a big one. No, no. Yeah. But you kind of, it's almost like a no, year sound. No. no, no, no. We push it to the front of the mouth a little no. more, so it's. No, it's and and I'm probably overdoing it. I would say like, yeah, I know a lot. No, no, no. But no, you'll hear Australians say, no, no, don't, don't stop. No, yeah. So you will hear it really kind of accentuated there. It sounds like there's more of a yeah in there. No, Whereas, yeah, that you nailed it. You nailed me, it. It's no, more you almost have to bring no. the lips forward. Like, I think it's the no. tongue. I think it's like your tongue as well. No, you, 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 you. a bit of that in there. You, no. <laughs> you made it nasal too. That's yeah. good. It's nice and nasal. But, There's nasalness to a lot of the accents as well here. Yeah, yeah like, g'day, a lot of nasal. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, g'day, mate. Yeah, I'm from, How's it uh, going? I'm from Australia. Australia. Another thing we'll do is that going. Like, um, you won't say going. going. You'll say going. Going. How you ga- how, yeah, how's it going? How you going, mate? Yeah. How going. going? Yeah, and you can drop the voice singing. How's it going? Yeah, how you go, mate. You get, g'day, mate. I do find that doing that like you're about to sell me some drugs or something. Yeah, g'day, mate. Do you want to get? Do you, you want to buy some of these? Um, I do find that when I'm doing accents or or voices, that I, it helps if I push more of a a specific character, like make it into a more um, a unique voice. It helps to find the accent more easily. So even doing things like if you give yourself a speech impediment in the other in the accent that you're trying to do, it can help. <laughs> so if you know if you're from Liverpool and you've, you know you've got a little bit of a lisp like that, it sort of really helps the accent somehow. I don't know how it works, but it just makes it you know much easier to do the accent when it's the thought of a person with a, you know with even like a little speech impediment. Yes. So maybe going. Do you get in go- trouble? Do you get in trouble in Britain for doing accents like that? Like, oh, is you, that has it come to that point yet? Uh, you can obviously some accents uh, you'll get into trouble for. So if I did an Indian accent or probably a Jamaican accent, unless oh, I they- get that across across races, yeah. I understand. But would you get in trouble for making fun of someone from Liverpool like that or Manchester? So if I was doing has it gone that, if I was doing stand up and I was in Liverpool and I did a Liverpool accent, I could easily get into trouble. But I'd get away with it if it was genuinely funny. So if it was genuinely funny, you'd be fine. They'd yep. like it. But if you do a shit Liverpool accent, then they will, they'll, they'll hate you for it. <laughs> they'll glass you. Yeah. And also, I mean, speaking like I do, I speak in this kind of BBC English voice. Oh, well, it's not like that. Yep. I was pushing it there. You know, you can yep. push, you can push the accent so you sound like a TV presenter. Uh, but uh, no, I speak with this accent, this kind of received pronunciation. So if I go to yep. Liverpool or. Glasgow or Newcastle or something, and I go on stage. That's an extra sp- layer of <laughs> yeah. If I speak privilege. to them with this voice, then they'll <laughs> probably hate me a bit. So there's a bit yep. of there's a bit of accent hatred that goes on, and we're all judging each other on our accents. Either we judge people as being working class or posh or unsophisticated or horrible or stupid sounding or irritating <laughs> we do judge each other all the yep. time on our accents and you, you open your mouth and people instantly um work out certain things yeah. about who you are where you're from what kind of person you are and they make an instant judgment based on the way you sound well and what else would you do right you've got all this information coming at you and you want to as a human being sort of have 
as much of an interpretation of the the person that you're dealing with. But um, it is interesting that you guys have much more of a class-based uh, rivalry, I guess, things that are happening over there. I don't think you would have that as much here. And in fact, you will have a lot of the people in the quote-unquote upper class, like the prime minister, intentionally use language that makes him seem lower class so that he's like and we have this sort of tall poppy syndrome where we cut down the poppies that are too high in australia where Uh. it's like you know don't try and be too better than everyone mate you know we're all aussies mate and so we have this thing of kind of pulling everyone down Mm. to our or at least wanting to be on the same level like don't think i i get very uncomfortable when people think of me as you know like oh he's got money or oh you know, when I when I don't in reality or you know he's famous or whatever and it's like oh no no I'm just normal I'm just normal so it is yeah. interesting the class based stuff we know? sort of have that in the UK a little bit too we take the piss out of each other to make sure we don't get too big big for our boots Ricky Gervais is good at that right he's like what does he say again he's like well, I've got loads of money I mean that's not his accent <laughs> I can't do anything else but he's got like I've got loads of money but fuck my body's fucked I'm old you don't want to be me you just want my money so yeah there's a lot of <laughs> self-deprecation you have to put yourself down a lot uh, you put yourself down you put other people down and it's just a way of kind of keeping everyone on the same level kind of thing and also yeah. in, in you know politically as well you'll find that newspapers build people up and when they get to a certain point they smash them back down again but that's the press that's our our power crazed uh, press in the uk which is slightly different um so well 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 um pete so we've had quite a good discussion here about all sorts of different things of a full-on ramble which is normal uh on my podcast actually but uh so just briefly no, at the end, fun. tell us at the end here about uh where people can find you and about uh, your podcast aussie english Exactly. You know that Aussie is in A-U-S-S-I-E, short for Australian. Um, you can find it on any good podcast application. Just search Aussie English or Australian English and you'll find it at aussieenglish.com.au. So yeah, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere there. If you're interested in Australian culture, history, slang, news and current affairs, as well as you know wrapping your head around our, our interesting dialect down here, then um, go check it out. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you for inviting me onto your show and thank you for coming onto mine. And, Absolute uh, pleasure. It was lots of fun. Definitely. Thank you. Okay, See you next mate. time. Yes, indeed. Okay. Cheers. So thanks again to Pete from Aussie English there. Check out the page on my website for this episode to check out links to his stuff. And don't forget to have a look at his YouTube channel to see his interview with me that we did on the same day. So to everyone on YouTube and on the podcast, that is it. It's basically time for me to say goodbye. This is episode what? Number 671. 671 episodes in. So to everyone on YouTube and on the podcast, it's just time for me to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.